Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In our Gospel lesson this morning, our Lord Jesus Christ is moving through primarily Gentile populations in order to avoid King Herod and his other enemies after the death of John the Baptist at the hands of Herod. He went from the region of Tyre through Sidon in the north to the Sea of Galilee again in the south in the region of the Decapolis on the other side, the Gentile side, going around Herod's region of Galilee. This route would have taken him by the village of Zarephath, where Elijah was sent to miraculously provide for a Phoenician, that is Canaanite, that is Gentile, widow and her son at the time when King Ahab was persecuting and killing the prophets of God. While Jesus was in the region of the Decapolis, they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. This region was primarily a Gentile region, but throughout the ten cities of the Decapolis there were Jewish settlements and diaspora communities. We do not know whether this man was a Gentile or if the people that brought to him, brought him to Jesus were Jews or Gentiles. But it is clear that either way, this man was in the darkness of sin. If he was a Gentile himself, then he lived in sin and in a land without light and life. If he was a Jew, then he was living outside of the promised land, in a land surrounded by hostile Gentiles, a land of darkness with little light from the law of God. Either way, this man was deeply within sin's clutches and its effects. His body did not work as it should. It was damaged by things beyond his control. His body was stricken by sin's effects, which comes from living in a fallen world. His ears were created by God in order to hear, yet they were stopped so that they could not fulfill their function and purpose, and as a result, his whole body suffered. His tongue was created by God to bring forth speech, but he was impeded from speaking clearly, and in order to speak at all, he had to do so with much effort and with little understanding from the people around him. Indeed, sin does not only affect the soul, but it affects the body as well, even all creation. And so in this fallen world, corrupted by sin, he suffered its effects as it manifested in his fallen flesh. And this man, broken and sinful as he was, was brought to Jesus Christ, our Lord the Son of God made man, the untouchable, incorruptible deity who had taken humanity upon himself so that he could be touched and handled and be present with his fallen creatures who could not stand to be in his presence otherwise, who out of his great love and compassion for us took on flesh that he might fulfill the law, that he might bear our sins in his body, that he might become sin for us, that he might even die for us, so that we may have his righteousness 
and serve him in everlasting innocence and blessedness. And so our Lord took him aside from the crowd privately, and he put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, he touched his tongue. After taking him aside, the Son of God himself, having become man by the assumption of human flesh into his person, touches this man. He touches his ears, which he will open, and he touches his tongue, which he will loose. These actions, the touching and even the spitting, are concrete actions which this man, deaf and mute as he was, was able to understand, so that he knew that this man before him, whom he did not know, was going to heal him. Yet it was not these actions themselves which healed the man, which opened his ears and loosed his tongues. Behold, looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephaphtha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. After putting his fingers to his ears and touching his tongue, our Lord looks up to heaven, thus showing both the man and us who still live in the midst of a sinful world, and for whose sake these things were written down that we may be instructed from where healing comes. For our Lord Jesus does, does all that he does in accordance with the will of the Father. And after looking to heaven, he says, Ephaphtha, which means be opened. And so we see that it is not those actions themselves that heal the man, but it is his word. He said, let there be light, and there was light. Who separated the dry land from the seas by the word of his mouth, said to the man, be opened. And immediately his ears were opened, and his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. He spoke correctly, so that they could understand him. Such is the power of his word. And our Lord continues to work in similar ways as he did in the instance of healing this man, of freeing him from the effects of sin. Let us remember, brothers and sisters in Christ, that we too, as all children of Adam and Eve, before our conversion, were, as St. Paul said to the Ephesians, dead in our trespasses and sins. And the dead cannot do very much. Indeed, we were spiritually blind, lost to the darkness of sin, unable to find our way to God. Spiritually deaf, with ears stopped and closed so that we could not hear the words of life and salvation. We were spiritually mute, tongue-tied so that we could not praise him who made us. We were helpless in all things spiritual, not able to do anything by which we could save ourselves from our fate to, of death, that is, the wages of sin. But this is not how we are now, brothers and sisters, for we have been made alive in Christ, raised from spiritual death. Now we have had our eyes opened so that we may see the light of God breaking into the kingdom of darkness in this world through the kingdom of light. We have, like the blind and or like the deaf and mute man, had our ears opened and our tongues released, so that we can hear the life-giving words of our Savior and sing praises to him who saved us and to sanctify the Holy One of Jacob. 
to praise and stand in awe of the God of Israel. And God has done all of this for us. Again, we were helpless in our condition. And even now, if God were to withdraw his grace from us, to withdraw his mercy and his favor towards us, we would at once return to our helpless state. Indeed, we can only do any good thing by his gift alone. And how has he done this? At a whim? In a way that we would not know? In a hidden way? No. He has done so in a way similar to how our Lord Jesus healed the man in our gospel. That is, he uses means, things tangible, things that we can see, things that we can point to so that we may know what is happening. He uses means along with his word, so that we who are weak because of the frailty of our sinful flesh may be comforted by God and have assurance of his love towards us. And just as with the man, it is not the acts themselves, but it is the word which accompanies these acts that is active and working and which is grasped by faith. In the sacrament of holy baptism, we have a great picture of this. An infant is brought to the font, and even if it is an adult who is being baptized, they too are brought to the font by their sponsors. Water is poured over the head of the one being baptized three times in order to depict what is happening. Water symbolizes cleansing and purity, and indeed the waters of baptism are a cleansing of the soul so that we may have a clean conscience before God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But water is also a symbol of judgment and death. In the time of Noah, God judged the world by putting to death all living things but those in the ark, eight souls in all, through water. And in the time of Moses, the Lord drowned the armies of Pharaoh in the Red Sea. So too in holy baptism we are drowned and die. And our sinful self is put to death, as we are united to the death and burial of Christ Jesus our Lord. Yet in both the flood and the Red Sea, God saved Noah and his family, and he saved Israel through that water. So too, we who have died with Christ and been buried with him through baptism, look to the resurrection with him. But it is not the water itself that does this. The water is not a charm. It isn't special water that we must haul from some sacred spring. We don't fly water from the Jordan River in order to have baptisms. There is nothing in the water itself that is special. It is just water without God's word and promise. If that was not there, it would simply be water, nothing more. But baptism has God's word and promise. It is God's word that makes baptism what it is. It is God's word in the water which is apprehended by faith, which works these great things which is promised about it. It is the word of God, like the Ephaphtha of our Lord, which does these things. And that word has been connected to the water. In the same way, there is nothing special in the person of the pastor himself in absolution, which brings the forgiveness of sins. There is not some special action which causes it, neither the laying on of hands, nor the signing of the cross. 
Rather, it is the word and promise of Christ Jesus that affects the forgiveness of sins to the penitent who believes. If Christ had not said, receive the Holy Spirit, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold the sins of any, they are withheld. Then there would be no forgiveness, and it would be deadly and presumptuous for anyone to forgive sins, for forgiveness belongs to God. But because of what his son has done in giving his life as an offering for sin, and because of his promises that all who believe in him receive forgiveness, and because he has sent pastors to his people so that they may be comforted by the gospel and receive consolation from Christ himself when they are weighed down by their sins, and since he has given this promise, then there is in the absolution forgiveness of sins for the one who believes because of Jesus' word. And so, too, in preaching. The sermon, in a way, is no different than any other speech. It is written by a man, prepared as one might prepare any speech. Of course, prayer accompanies it, but it is nothing special in the craft of the sermon which makes it a particularly holy word in and of itself. I do not sit there in meditation until it comes to me and I write it down in a flurry of inspiration. Yet at the same time, it is not at all like any other speech. For through it, God works because his word is being preached and proclaimed. And so he works through the words of the pastor to open the ears of his people, whom he has purchased with the blood of his son, so that they might hear of his mighty acts of salvation and receive instruction in the way of life. As St. Paul said in our epistle, such is the confidence that we have through Christ towards God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. God's Spirit is at work in his word to give, confirm, strengthen, and grow the life and faith which he has given to his people, so that having ears opened to hear how he has saved them, their tongues no longer bound may share this good news with others. And in the Holy Communion we see this yet again, how our Lord works through means, and yet it is his word attached to that means that is active. The bread and wine, which are now sitting on the altar, are not terribly special in and of themselves. It is bread made from flour and water. It is just ordinary wine. There is no special ingredient that has to be added to it in order to make it what it is. Neither is there anything in the person consecrating it. Rather, it is the word of Christ, first spoken at the Last Supper, and his promise, which causes his body and blood to be united with a sacramental union to the bread and wine, so that all who eat of the communion receive with their mouths his body and blood. And it is faith in this word which receives the forgiveness of sins, life and salvation, which he promised to those who eat and drink in repentant faith. See how God works through these humble means, yet even so it is always his word which is active. 
his word which is at work. Just as our Lord put his fingers into the ears and onto the tongue of the man from our gospel, so that he would know what was happening, but it was his word which healed him, so it is with us. For he has given us these means of grace, his word and his sacraments, as signs of assurance, of knowing his will towards us, of receiving his forgiveness, because <clears throat> though he has saved us, we daily struggle with sin. And so he would continue to strengthen our faith and mortify our flesh. And through these means, it is his word which is active. It is his word and promise which is grasped by faith to receive the promises. It is his word which brings us life. That is why we can say, return to your baptism. Return to the promises where God made, which God made you in your baptism. When we say return to your baptism, we are not saying get baptized again, but remember the promises which God made you there and grasp them by faith. And that word which he gives to us is a gift of his grace. It is a word which has freed our tongues from their bonds, and it is the only thing which enables us to worship and serve him in spirit and truth. With his word on our lips, we are able to sing his praises, to sanctify his name, to teach others, to share the good news of the gospel, that they too might have their ears unstopped and their tongues loosed by God, so that they may be brought from the darkness of sin and death into the light and life and salvation which our Lord Jesus has purchased and won for them by the shedding of his blood so that they may with us sing the praises of the Lord and zealously proclaim to all about him, he has done all things well. He even makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. Indeed, he even raises the dead to life, forgives our sins, we poor miserable sinners, and has prepared for us a place for all who believe in the kingdom of heaven according to his grace by which he has saved us in his Son. May God grant this to all of us through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.